0: this is the black and blue report straight from the source no appointment radio wherever whenever now from studio b or from wherever the saints or pelicans might be here's daniel sellerson
1: what's going on welcome into the tuesday edition of the black and blue report i'm daniel sellerson filling in for sean kelly as i most of the time, due on a Tuesday. Glad to have you on the show. We have a great show for you today. Unfortunately, though, we're not talking about a Pelicans win after they fell last night to the Portland Trail Blazers 105 to 101. It looked promising at the beginning. They outscored the Blazers 31 to 26 in the first quarter. They were 13 of 20 from the field, but after that, 23 of 62. Uh, really couldn't get things going on offense and defense. Too much Damian Lillard. 30 points, 8 of 16 shooting, and 11 of 12 from the foul line. Now 0-2 on this road trip. They've lost 10 straight against Portland at the Moda Center. Luckily, no more games in Portland for the rest of the season as the team drops to 6-18 and on the season and will take on the Utah Jazz tomorrow night in Salt Lake City. So three more games on the road trip. All winnable games, but the Pelicans have to step up now as that window's closing, it seems like. As far as the Western Conference standings are concerned, six and eighteen, but still just four and a half back of a playoff spot. The Jazz are in eighth, so good time to knock, gain some ground on them tomorrow night, and then two games on Friday and Sunday. One against the Phoenix Suns, and Sunday against the Denver Nuggets. We also have a very special guest in studio B today, Carly Lloyd from the U.S. Women's Soccer Team, World Cup Soccer Team, the champions from July. Uh, They are here touring the facility. Sean Payton gave them a tour. Uh, earlier today she stopped by and talked to me about tomorrow's uh, last match on the victory tour for them it's also Abby Wambach's last match on U.S. women's soccer team so it's a very emotional but happy time for them and uh, make sure you go out to the Superdome tomorrow and watch them take on China 7 o'clock it'll also be on Fox Sports 1 so a very special guest Carly joins me in Studio B to talk about that and of course it's fantasy football time hope you all survived if you were in the playoffs and if you are don't worry we got jake Seely from rotoexperts.com here to talk to you all about that um so he can give you some advice and hopefully lead you to a championship then you can share uh your prizes with us since i think we played a big hand in that anyways so we got lots to get to i don't want to start rambling about today's show let's get right to it so we'll go in order we'll go carly lloyd jim offer from pelicans.com and uh jake seeley from RotoExperts.com. so a great jam-packed show let's get started next with u.s women's soccer team star carly lloyd you're listening to the black and
2: blue report Here, which means there's a new purpose to get excited about at Smoothie King. It's time to bundle up against the weather outside and give your immune system a little extra support on the inside.
3: At Smoothie King, we're blending our new Immune Builder smoothies to help you stay strong all season long. Fortify your body with more than 2,000% of your daily vitamin C and all natural immune supporters like vitamins A and E, zinc, and selenium. Try a mixed
4: berry or orange Immune Builder smoothie today. Only at Smoothie King, smoothies with a purpose. Take flight with your New Orleans Pelicans on Saturday, December 26th at 6 p.m. when the division rival Houston Rockets come to town. The first 12,000 fans receive a free Pelicans t-shirt courtesy of Morris Bart. Pelicans' best pregame block party tips off the fun at 4.30 with live music by five-finger discount. Inflatable games for the kids and a whole bunch more. See an all-star battle with Anthony Davis taking on James Harden and Dwight Howard. Tickets are limited. Visit pelicans.com to get your seats today.
0: We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report.
1: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We have a very special guest in Studio B. It's where we get people here in Studio B, but today we have Carly Lloyd uh, from the U.S. Women's National Team. They're here playing their last game of their victory tour tomorrow night at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome uh carly won the golden ball at the fifa world cup as the best player three goals in the world cup final first person to ever do that and is a two-time olympic gold medalist carly thanks for coming by thanks for having me so you all took a tour uh before this how was it
5: yeah we're uh we're midway through the tour just getting uh you know getting to know uh coach sean as well he's been, been been awesome um and just been fantastic you know met some of the the punters, the long okay. Um it's been good. It, it's good to always kind of get into another team's environment and just kind of yeah. see how they operate and what they do. Um, but we've been enjoying it.
1: Did you kick any field goals, punt any footballs?
5: No, I no? haven't done that. I haven't done that yet. I think I would need to warm up my, my legs before I pull something.
1: Like I that. saw I saw a video from Hard Knocks where you did it with Vince Wolfork. Wolf How was that experience like? So you've been to a couple other facilities. How cool was that just to kick a field goal? One, I didn't think that Vince could ever kick a field goal that far.
5: Yeah. <laughs> well, I was quite surprised when they picked him uh, to <laughs> hit a field goal, and I thought it would be pretty pretty easy to to nail it and, and beat him, but uh, he surprised me. I think he's a heck of an athlete and did pretty well. They didn't show our third kicks, but that was fun. <laughs> that was a fun experience to get to meet the team and just pretty much watch a practice. Um, there's a lot going on in, right. in a football practice. It's, it's way different than soccer, so it's just cool to be able to jump in and see that.
1: Now, how long have you been in New Orleans for this last game? Did you all just get in today, or you have been in for a couple of days? We
5: got in yesterday afternoon, okay. so it's been a quick trip in um got practice this afternoon and then we play tomorrow night which will be great any
1: chance to tour the city a little bit is this your first time here or have you been here before
5: it's my first time oh here. wow yeah i hear a lot of great things um obviously we're celebrating abby's last game right. so we'll all get to hang out uh, after the game and uh it's our last victory tour game so we can kind of unwind a little bit and um, have some fun
1: how has the tour been you know going to different cities across the country after the big world cup win in july how has it been for you and your team
5: it's been great the crowd have you know they've been amazing everywhere we went um, it's it's been great and it's hard to believe that you know we won the World Cup in July mm-hmm. it's now December it's feels like a year ago right. it's it's almost like you know you you win it and then it's like okay go around celebrate with the fans play some games but now we've got to turn our attention to Olympic qualifying so it's always there's always something else that you're getting ready for and preparing for um, but it was an amazing journey and just really proud of of all 23 players and um we've been enjoying touring touring around and and getting to share it with our fans as well
1: so how's life been after winning the world cup it's been five months you said it's been a whirlwind but uh when did it really sink in that you guys were the world cup champs when did you all like take a deep breath they're like wow i can't believe this actually happened
5: um you know it was surreal right after the game there was a lot going on um i was being pulled in in every which direction didn't sleep at all after the final but it's uh, it's been great. I've gotten to experience so many different things, meet so many different people. Um, the team has as well. I would say for me personally, it really sunk in when we had the ticker tape parade in mm-hmm. New York City. Um, that to me was, was just an unbelievable experience, just to see the amount of people lined up on, on the streets in red, white, and blue, chanting USA, cheering for us. Um, that was pretty incredible, and I know uh, many of my other teammates felt the same way,
1: yeah, and you all got a lot of tweets and responses and calls from celebrities, the President of the United States. How was that just getting all the reaction from so many people across the country and the world after you guys won?
5: You know it was a huge deal. It was one of the biggest <laughs> stages. The coverage that we had for Fox um, was amazing, and there was probably no better time to win it than right. this this year. Um, it had been long overdue and I think for so many young girls you know they they're not old enough to remember the 99 team and now they're witnessing the 15ers what we did Mm -hmm. um and they can relate to it then you know they can go home and and practice every day because they want to be like us um so it it was just pretty incredible the amount of responses we've gotten from people the tweets everything um so many people watched you know it it was the number one watch thing i think might have even beat the super bowl yeah i think so yeah so it was pretty pretty fantastic
1: now tomorrow of course is abby wombach's last game as a member of the u.s women's soccer team i know it's going to be emotional for you all and for her just talk about what she's meant to you all um as her on a team and also just what meant for women's soccer around the country and around the world
5: yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of bittersweet. Um, here we have, you know, we, we win the world cup and we've had many people re- retiring. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Abby going out, uh, on top as a legend on and off the field, she's given so much to our team, to women's soccer, women's sports in general. Um, you know, she's, she's one of the greatest of all time. Uh, I don't think there'll ever be another Abby Wambach and, you know, it's, it's I think, fitting for her to end her career here in New Orleans. Right. Um, you know, she's really pumped about it. Her friends and family are all coming out to the game. Uh, we're all going to celebrate with her afterwards. So it's it's one of those moments where it's a little bittersweet. Mm-hmm. You know, we're concluding the, the victory tour, um, but we're also saying goodbye to one of the greats, and uh, we're going to miss her. I know I'm going to miss her, and wish her nothing but the best. Is
1: it going to be a, w- a little weird, you know, after you all start training for the Olympics just not having her – on the field or traveling, will y'all? It's going to be a little different, I'm guessing, to adjust to that.
5: It's definitely going to be different. She's a, a very loud presence. She talks a lot. Mm-hmm. She's loud. Um, so it's it's going to be it's going to be different. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it's crazy to think, um, you know, what what it's going to be like without her. Because as long as I've been on the team, she's been there, and I've been on the team for about 10 years now. So it's um, it's definitely definitely going to be different um, but at the same time you know this team and women's soccer it's it's kind of a revolving door you know when when a few go out more come in and um, you just kind of move on but it's it's definitely going to be uh, very weird. Do
1: you think the popularity of the sport has grown now because of your success uh, with the women's world cup as far as winning it and uh, it seems like MLS and the women's professional soccer teams really popularity has grown do you feel like women's soccer is on the rise in this country
5: I definitely do I think it's it's done very well um I think that you know what we did this past summer was was great um I think that we need to just continue it obviously the Olympics next summer but then it's an off year so mm-hmm. that's the most important thing is just continuing to bring awareness to the sport and uh continuing to stay in the news that's really what it's all about I mean everybody tunes into the World Cup and Olympics it's every four years right. but that in between stuff, they they tend to, to kind of miss out on. So if we can continue to keep growing that, um, you know, I think we'll, we'll definitely see some benefits for sure.
1: We all are doing a great job of it. That's Carly Lloyd from the U.S. Women's Soccer Team. They'll be at the Superdome tomorrow night. They take on China in the last game of the World Cup Victory Tour. Come out and enjoy the game and see Abby Wambach's last game in a women's national team uniform. Carly, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of the tour and the rest of your day in your visit to New Orleans. Thanks,
5: really appreciate
1: it. All right, more on the Black and Blue Report coming up.
0: New Orleans, get ready for WWE Monday Night Raw, televised live worldwide from Smoothie King Center. Monday night, January 11th, featuring the return of Brock Lesnar. Plus, you'll see John Cena Roman Reigns, Demon Kane, The Lunatic Fringe, Dean Ambrose, Kevin Owens, The Divas, and many more in action. Don't wait. Great seats are available now at the box office and Ticketmaster.
4: All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money.
0: We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report.
1: Welcome back to the show. We continue to talk Pelicans basketball on this Tuesday, which means, since it is Tuesday, I welcome in Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com, who is at an undisclosed location in Salt Lake City, Utah. I won't say which hotel he is, just for his privacy, and all the fans will just want to flock to his door. But, uh, Jim, I must say first, that is, I know it's snowing there in Salt Lake City, but here in New Orleans, it's 70 degrees. So, nanner, nanner, nanner,
3: you know, did did you really have to start off that way? Did, did you really have to? No, it's it's okay. I mean, we I can I guess I can deal with a little snow once in a while on the road when we get to enjoy the glorious weather of New Orleans for most of the year. So I'm not going to complain too much. And I'm I'm from as you know I'm from the Syracuse, New York area. So this is nothing nothing new nothing that I'm not. Uh, very uh, used to seeing.
1: Maybe I'm just salty on this Tuesday morning from last night. I apologize. There, that's not how we start off. Usually, we talk about good things, positive things on this Tuesday. So I apologize for that. That's on me.
3: That's okay. I understand the weather in New Orleans is right now is probably one of the be- better things we can talk about. So I'll I'll uh, I'll let that slide okay. for now.
1: Thank you very much. All right, let's talk about this game last night. Unfortunately, did not go the Pelicans' way. One hundred five to one hundred one in. I know you were at Alvin Gentry's post-game press conference. I, we played it on Pelican's OT last night, and he didn't sound too happy, which was understandable. But the two things I took away, and Jim, correct me if I'm wrong, it seemed like the two big things that made him really mad was the lack of ball movement at certain times and then just not smart basketball moves. Just I don't want to say dumb moves, but just things that just not smart play. Uh, were those the two biggest takeaways from last night and from Coach Gentry's post-game press conference?
3: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think the biggest thing that he was upset about was that he's talking about the same things that he's been um, discussing a lot after um, some of the recent losses. Um, the the ball movement was, was really bad. Uh, at halftime, I think they only had five assists. They finished with 15, which is tied for a season low this year. They've had some games where they haven't moved the ball at all, so to have the lowest assist game of the season this deep into the regular season I think is pretty frustrating and pretty tough to accept. Um, I thought just overall I think one of the problems that crops up is that when you're not playing well, when you have the record that they have, it seems like guys think, okay, the way I'm going to get us out of this is I'm going to score. I'm going to get my shots up. I'm going to, you know, drag us back into into this game by myself. Hearable. And that's a – exactly the worst thing that you could do it you know for the for the situation the way it is i think that was another thing that was upset with him
1: no doubt about that um but what what's funny about it is the first quarter team shoots 13 of 20 uh for 31 points they outscored the jazz 12 to 6 in the paint and it looked like okay the ball moon was there but then they seem to get away from what they do so well in some of these games. They did the same thing in the fourth quarter. They were 18-4. to They outscored the Jazz in the paint. They outscored them by 18 in the game. Why does it seem like the team gets away from what they've been doing so well in spurts of the game?
3: Well, I think some of it is changing habits of individual guys. I think um, there's certain guys that, they tend to want to play isolation basketball like we've talked about. Um, there, were some, there were some really bad shots last night where there was no pass leading to the shot. It was, you know, maybe one guy dribbles up or there's one pass and the first guy that touches it guns it. And when you do that, it's, you know, it's low percentage shots. A lot of times it leads to something bad on the other end because the other team has kind of a head start or they can get a run out on a long rebound or, you know, you just you don't have – You don't have floor balance because, you know, it it was a quick shot and maybe your guys aren't ready to run back on defense or don't want to run back on defense because it's just frustrating when you see guys take shots that are not realistically going to be helpful in trying to win a game. So I think it was, you know, a combination of all those different things.
1: I could be wrong on this, and you can tell me if if I am. I won't hurt my feelings. But, you know, last year with Monty Williams in this offense, it was a lot of set plays look back at the coach, run a play, bada-bing, bada-boom. This year, it seems like a lot of it's predicated, one, on the defense from the other end, and two, a lot of ball movement and kind of, I guess it gives the players more freedom. Is that a big problem? Not a problem, a big adjustment for these guys, knowing that they can create by themselves without having a set play, and then that time they're just not really used to that yet? Could that be an issue for this team?
3: I think there's some truth to that, that it's an adjustment. But at the same time, I hear people say, you know, talk about last season versus this season and the the stuff that Elvin Gentry is complaining about as far as ball movement goes and as far as not um, not sharing the ball, I think you can you can be somewhat successful with that playing that way. And I think they were last year. But ultimately if you play that way, you're never gonna reach the level of like competing for a championship or being at that top uh portion of the nba so i mean there there's just certain things there's certain principles i'm not sure if if i'm explaining this the right way or or um kind of giving the right uh perspective on this but i feel like there's certain things that you if you do it's going to kill you in the long run and i feel like that's what's, what's happening a lot right now offensively in terms of selfishness in terms of taking bad shots And so, regardless of the system, like yeah, maybe there's a little bit more freedom, and they they're having trouble adjusting to that. But I feel like there's basic basketball decisions that people understand when they're playing, even at the early um, an early age or the lower levels of basketball. There's certain decisions that you have to be able to know how to make. And he gives the system definitely gives you the freedom to do that. Every basketball system gives you the has forces you to do that. And if you if you're making bad decisions the way they are, it's going to really cost you. So I feel like that's, that's an, that was an issue last year. I mean, they won 45 games, but at the same time, they were up and down and they were inconsistent. So I feel like we're seeing a lot of the same issues that we saw crop up at times last year, but obviously it's just been more dramatic and more drastic some of the things that have gone wrong this year.
1: That makes sense. Um, on the defensive side, Um, Are some of those things at issue, too, as far as maybe just lapses in judgment, um, miscommunication on defense, you know, going over a screen instead of under a screen or vice versa? Are those the little things that are causing this defense to be, unfortunately, one of the worst in the league right now?
3: Yeah, I think so. But once again, I mean, I think those are things that we saw happen last year. Uh, The one thing that – the one real tangible thing that we keep going back to is following guys that are taking jump shots. And, I mean – as much of a problem as it's as it's been this season, I mean, it happened a ton last year. So I mean, there's certain guys that seem like they did that every game. They would follow somebody taking a twenty footer. Um, so so yeah, i mean i i don't I can't completely explain the defense because uh it's it, there's no reason for it to be as bad as it's been. I think they're still thirtieth in the league in defensive efficiency, but at the same time, I think, like I kind of alluded to earlier. When the team's not playing well, I think guys have to say, "Okay, how I'm going to get us out of this is I'm going to play better defense. I'm going to stick my nose in there. I'm going to get loose balls. I'm going to rebound. I'm going to share the ball, set people up for shots." But instead, it seems like it's it's in the opposite of that, which is I'm not going to do any of that stuff. I'm going to score, and that's going to help us dig out of the hole that we're in right now.
1: Let's talk about a positive because I'm tired of talking about some negatives right now. Um, Holiday, <laughs> me Off the bench, 19 points, 7 to 14, shooting 3 of 6 from downtown last night. Also added five rebounds. He seems to be a lot more comfortable coming off the bench. Um, Is that – I know he mentioned it a little bit more because he can stay on the court a little bit longer off the bench when he's on this minute restriction than if he was in the starting lineup just because he was kind of spotty as far as his minutes were concerned. Um, What have you seen out of Drew Holiday since he's come off the bench?
3: I think – I mean I'd like to hear his you know ask him and hear a little bit more specifically about what he thinks some of the differences are but for me from afar I feel like he has more freedom to to shoot when he comes off the bench and there's less of a of a crunch as far as if he's out there with three or four other guys in the starting lineup that are offensive minded it seems like you know there's 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 too many times when you know that if there's too many guys that need shots like coaches say there's too many mouths to feed I feel like when he comes off the bench it's easier for him to do what he did last night where he um took 14 shots in 28 minutes and um had a had a good game that way I feel like when he's out there with Norris sometimes he can play off the ball more and I, that might be that might be one of the explanations it does seem like um Drew's played a lot better off the ball than he has on the ball this year. His assist-to-turnover ratio isn't, isn't really that great, but when he's had um, the opportunity to go out there and score, he's done pretty well, and I think that's been the case in the three or four games since he's come off the bench.
1: We're talking with Jim offer from Pelicans.com, part of our TGIT. Thank goodness it's Tuesday. Um, let's talk about the next three games for the Pelicans. It's weird looking at the standings right now because it's way too early, but you can't help but look. At the West, and the Pelicans at six and eighteen are still just four and a half games up in a playoff spot. And I know part of that is a little fool's gold because you're still behind five other teams to get to that eighth spot because the Pelicans are fourteenth in the West. You have the Jazz who are in eighth right now at ten and thirteen, I believe. It's ten and thirteen or ten twelve. And then you have mm-hmm. Phoenix on Friday, who's just below Utah, and Denver, who is tied with Phoenix. Three games that could help you climb into closer to that eighth seed one is a it's hard to look at the standings right now and talk about that Jim but at the same time are we yeah. getting close at six and 18 to do or die situations as in must wins in order to stay afloat because the Western Conference can change at any game time
3: yeah I think we are pretty close and I think um, you hate to break it down this early in the season to specific, specific games are crucial but I think if you look at the West and the top seven teams right now. I think the top seven teams, people might think that Houston's a little shaky, but I do think the top seven teams are probably going to make the playoffs. So then you look at number eight, and that's Utah. I think Utah is probably the most crucial team for the Pelicans and all these other teams that are right behind Utah in the standings to beat head-to-head. Um, New Orleans already lost once to Utah, so that, now you're starting to look already at, like, you're down, if you lose tomorrow night, you're down 2-0 in the season series. I know we're, we're getting... Um, ahead of ourselves and even talking about playoffs right now the way that the Pelicans are playing but I do think that tomorrow's game is really important about as important as a mid-December game can be because um, I think I think Utah is probably the most vulnerable team or the most team that the team that's the most susceptible to possibly dropping a little bit from the top the teams in the top eight in the west right now so so that makes it important for New Orleans and also as you mentioned these these other two games. Um, I don't think you can sit here and, and talk about eighth place if you can't beat the teams that are in ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth. Um, so, Port, I mean, Portland's not in the top eight, and the Pelicans are 0-2 against them. So, you got to start winning some of these games before you can you can look yourself be looked at seriously as far as being able to make the playoffs.
1: Good point there, Jim. That's Jim. I offer from Pelicans.com. Pelicans and Jazz tomorrow at eight o'clock. Be sure to look out for Jim's work not only tomorrow but today on Pelicans.com. Jim, stay warm. Enjoy the snow if you like it, and um, we'll talk to you uh, tomorrow,
3: my friend. Sounds good, Daniel. Thanks for having me as always. No problem. All
1: right, when we come back, Jake Seeley from MotoExperts.com joins me to talk a little fantasy football. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report.
2: Life is busy. You need health care that can keep up. Healthcare with peace of mind.
0: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson.
1: Welcome back to the show. It's Tuesday, which means it's time to talk fantasy football, and I'm in the playoffs in one of my three leagues, which is only 33%, but in baseball, that's a good batting average. And, uh, of course, our... Tuesday guest is Jake Seeley from com. We were talking uh, before we got started, and I believe 12 of his 13 teams are still alive in the playoffs. Jake, I'm, I think your Tuesday's going pretty well with those kind of numbers.
6: Yeah, that no, was 11 last week. So I, that one that I was uh, borderline making, it, I didn't make it through. So it was 11, and then I got knocked out of 1. So I'm down for 10 to 10 for 13, but I'll still take that. <laughs>
1: that's still Hall of Fame numbers, I think, in my opinion. That's pretty good. <laughs>
6: oh so, Yeah, it's, it's well above 300. Uh, that's easy.
1: Yeah, t- t- is my uh, numbers okay if I consider it 333 for uh, baseball and not any other sport as far as a good Oh, that's, that's
6: exactly what I was counting. That, you're, you're a whole thing. You're right up there. Yes. Okay, good. Well, uh, you got to help <laughs> me get through
1: this week and head to the championship next week uh, and also help everyone that listens. We'll start um, in Cincinnati where Andy Dalton, probably one of the weirdest plays as far as the interception and then how he uh, tackled a 300-pound lineman now with a broken thumb out for the remainder of the regular season, not sure about the playoffs, but for fantasy purposes, um, how does that affect the Bengals' wide receivers of likes of uh, A.J. Green?
6: Obviously, it ticks him down a little bit because this is a team with Hugh Jackson that obviously likes to run the ball a lot, but Andy Dalton has been playing really well this year, and you know for everybody that didn't want to trust him to this point, obviously that hurts, but he was putting on some terrific numbers, but this is obviously going to push him back towards more running, Uh, In this matchup this week specifically, I expect a lot of Jeremy Ailey and Gio Bernard. I actually expect both of them this week to potentially have top 25 running back value. So looking at the wide receivers, it doesn't do a lot to hurt A.J. Green, but he probably ends up now being more of a fringe wide receiver one. Similar conversations we've talked about before earlier this year. The fact that when Drew Brees missed his one game, we are talking about Brandon Cooks was now a fringe wide receiver one that game that he was out. So I think that's a similar type of situation. The Marvin Jones and the rest of the guys is a little bit more interesting because when Andy Dalton left, McCann basically, i it, 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 it down tongue in too, because it's not 100% true, but basically only threw to A.J. Green and Marvin Jones. Mm-hmm. So I think this helps Marvin Jones a little bit and offsets the fact that he's got to downgrade from Andy Dalton not being there. But I think this basically saps any potential value you would have seen from Mohamed Sanu uh, in deep leaves, whatever you were thinking about. Not that he was on a lot of people's radars, but maybe Marvin Jones can get you a wide receiver four type of value if you desperately need some wide receiver help. But the only one you've got to feel comfortable about is Andrew Green. The last is just going to be a big question mark now. Even with Tyler Eifel potentially out, it still doesn't help that much.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. Um, also, the Seahawks running back situation just got a little more interesting with Marshawn Lynch already out, not sure when he will return. Thomas Rawls now out for the season with that ankle injury. Um, if you had the Seah- if you had Rawls or if you had Lynch, what do you do with the Seahawks running back situation? Do you try to pick up their backup? Uh, do you try to pick up Fred Jackson or do you just stay away from that situation in total?
6: It's actually pretty much the same exact thing. As you mentioned this, Carolina is the same way. Jonathan Stewart, not sure yet. He could potentially be out, but they're not sure. But at least this situation, we know that the running back is out. Both backfields are similar, though. That's why I wanted to throw it out because you can grab one, but you're not necessarily going to get the great value out of it. DeWan Harris looks to be the first up for Seattle, but he's just an okay running back. Fred Jackson from Report sounds like he's going to remain as like the pass catching option. His workload shouldn't increase too much. But they signed Bryce Brown again, who has terrific talent, but he can't seem to hold on to the ball a lot of times. So it looks like it's going to be a mess. It looks like a backfield that you could probably get Harris for the safest points, but he's not going to have a very high ceiling, And then with the mixed carries. And the way that Russell Wilson's been playing, I, I don't necessarily know that they need the running okay. game with how good he's been. Uh, and then it's the same situation. It's very funny because Cam Newton's been amazing, a very similar quarterback. And that Carolina backfield is, is you know, if Stewart's out, you're going to get Mike Tolbert. It's pretty much going to be the same goal line option. His value is not really going to increase much. But then you've got Cameron Artis Payne and Fozzie Whitaker, who are probably going to split snaps. So if I can, Even if I lost Rawls or if I lose Jonathan Stewart and I'm in the playoffs, I'd rather start a wide receiver at flex or potentially try and find somebody in a backfield that I know is going to have some value because both backfields are just going to be a headache at this point.
1: Let's stay with the Seattle Seahawks because Doug Baldwin has been on fire these last three weeks, same as Russell Wilson, like you mentioned. Uh, how fast is Doug Baldwin moving up those wide receiver rankings, and where would you – I know you don't usually do your rankings till tomorrow, but where would you put him right now as far as wide receivers heading into week 15?
6: Yeah, I mean, really, is he a wide receiver? What, at this point, it's hard – on the season he is, which is what's crazy to say, that since these past three weeks have moved Doug Baldwin inside the top ten on the year, and now he gets Cleveland. And the fact that they don't have a running game that's safe anymore – Russell Wilson has been amazing. I, I got to say, it's tough to say, hey, Doug Baldwin's the wide receiver one, but I think we might have to at this point. I would have a hard time not plugging him in my wide receiver one rant, to say at least that's my top 12. That's 12 wide receivers. You can't find 11 that aren't better than he has been playing at this point. So I, I really think that he's going to be there. And nothing else, he's a must-start in every single league. That's how good they've been playing. And the schedule just going forward It's like I said, Cleveland – St. Louis is like their toughest matchup for your championship game, but I don't think he's a bench him at this point with what's going on there. So it's funny to say, you know, the past two years, it's tricky because the past two years I said, oh, he's a great value, and then I kind of fell off of him a little bit this year, and now he's just exploding. And this is one of those situations where throughout the name, everybody else would be jumping on board if it wasn't for the fact that it was Doug Baldwin. So that's the way you got to look at it. If the numbers are there. You've got to believe in it. Yep,
1: Absolutely. All right, um, hopefully if you're in the playoffs right now, you don't need too many waiver wire pickups at this point, but you never know. Someone gets injured, like a Thomas Rawls or an Andy Dalton, and you're not comfortable with your QB. Um, how about two or three waiver pickups that might help you in a playoff run?
6: This is going to be semi-self-pimping here. So hopefully everybody listening also listened to me on Twitter, at OlinKids, when I said this, and listened to our hometown guy and said, hey, As soon as the Mark Ingram news broke, run to your waiver wire and grab Tim Hightower because that's exactly what I tweeted out. And if you didn't, you missed out on a good game already. Hopefully, if he's still available in your league, you have time to go get him because right now, he's the top option. If you lost roles or any of these type of running back situations, there's no – Hightower is going to be an RB2 this week. He's right in the role of Mark Ingram. The numbers aren't as terrific as Mark Ingram, but there's no denying that he's somebody you can rely on. If you're looking at other running backs with their situations, if T.J. Yeldon is out this week, Gennard Robinson has huge value. You might as well take a flyer on him anyway because you're not utilizing your bench for wide receiver fives and plays like that. This is where you know you could potentially get a running back that you want to start, so go grab him. We talked about Seattle. Matt Jones is starting to get some more opportunities for the Redskins, so he's somebody that could help. And then Darren Sproles has been the most consistent option for the Eagles. Not that I love starting him, but in the PPR league, you can get some value. And then over at wide receiver, another thing. If anybody in your league was crazy enough to drop Willie Sneed, go right back out and grab, it, grab him because he's back into being a must start wide receiver. And then we did talk about tight ends, but there's a few guys who probably lost Tyler Eifert and stuff like that. Zach Miller for the Bears has just been playing terrific with no Martellus Bennett. And he would probably be one of the first options I would go grab as a replacement of Eifert.
1: Not only did you knock out. The two or three waiver wire pickups answer, but you knocked out my next question about where does Tim Hightower <laughs> rank? Which is great. That's fine with me. I don't have to ask another question there. um But yes, Tim Hightower uh, will be huge, and the the schedule: Detroit, Jacksonville, and Atlanta. Three great opportunities for Hightower to get in the end zone. So that's Jake Seely from RotorExperts.com, part of our fantasy focus, presented by Xbox One. Jake, uh, as always, I appreciate it. I, good luck in your 10 leagues that you have, teams in the playoffs, and hopefully I'm talking about a championship with you next weekend in our finale
6: uh, of a segment. Yeah, hopefully. Good luck to you and everybody listening. It can't get any worse than somebody who tweeted me yesterday and that lost by 0.1 because of the Ooh. kicker. So you think you're bad? It can always be worse except for that guy.
1: I've uh, known a couple stories. I won a championship on a Ryan Longwell Minnesota Vikings field goal uh, way long ago, and I won by point two. And then I've known someone in our league, I don't know why this happened, but we would play decimal points, and he lost a playoff game on the quarterback kneeling
6: at the final play of the game. Oh, yeah, somebody did that. To, somebody else said that to me yesterday. lost on Eli Manning's final kneel down. <laughs> uh, that's just the that, worst. That, that has to be the worst. Uh, but the kickers, man, if nobody learned from years ago when Barona's kicked eight field goals, yeah. so you stop messing around with kickers, guys. You can't lose a championship to them.
1: I don't know how you predict the kickers. I don't know how you, you do don't. it. You just have to The only thing I can think of is trying to find a team that you see doesn't really score a lot and that maybe they might kick some field goals. But for the most part, you probably have someone else on that team that you're rooting for a touchdown anyway. So it's just Exactly. It's you weird. get rid
6: of them and you add an extra flex spot.
1: It makes it more fun. And then now with the extra point farther back, I think it's a better chance for them to lose points.
6: <laughs> exactly. you got the kicker in Detroit who hasn't missed a field goal all year but then missed the extra, like two or three extra points. You just never know.
1: I know kickers have feelings, too, but I don't want them in fantasy as well anymore. They're going to play fantasy with me, but they're
6: not going to be on my team.
1: (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com, part of our Fantasy Focus, presented by Xbox One. When we come back, I'll wrap things up on this Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report.
4: Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7 365 like us on facebook and follow us on twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways plus get text with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with pelican mobile alerts visit pelicans.com for information on these great features plus sign up for pelicans insider with weekly updates from the pelicans join the conversation today
0: Punt, pass, kick, and dunk.
4: loud to the rim. Alley-oop dunk. Anthony Davis.
0: This is the Black and Blue Report.
1: All right, time to wrap things up here in Studio B. It's always fun when you get a celebrity here in Studio B. Normally it's just me and Sean, and we're not even close to being celebrities. It's just so boring. So to have Carly Lloyd in here from the U.S. women's soccer team was such a, a big treat. She was very nice, and uh, we wish her the best of luck tomorrow in their final match of the world cup victory tour and uh, best of luck to Abby Wambach and uh, thank you so much for all she's done for not only women's soccer but soccer in general uh, around the world and of course here in the United States so that was a big interview for us thanks to Carly thanks to Jim offer from pelicans.com we'll talk to Jim tomorrow as we'll get things updated from Salt Lake City where the Pelicans take on the Utah Jazz of course David Wesley will be on it's a Wesley Wednesday he'll talk with Sean Kelly probably in the uh, lobby of the hotel, uh, like they always do when they're on the road. And, uh, of course, you never know who else will stop by. You can follow us on Twitter at BlackBlueReport, or you can download the show, subscribe to it on iTunes, and it'll be sent to your phone or tablet um, every day that you would like it. It's no appointment radio, so you can listen whenever you want, and we appreciate you listening every day on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report. Until tomorrow, I'm Daniel Salarson. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day.